0: Welcome to the Spirit Anointing the Word, the podcast of Highland Church, Jamaica, New York, with Pastor Subash Cherian. We're so glad to have you with us today, and we're excited about God's Word because it gives us strength and hope for each and every day. Let's listen as Pastor Subash shares this powerful message. Father, we're so grateful that we can come here this morning to enjoy your presence and more than anything else to. Lift up your holy name. Our Father, we thank you so very much for this opportunity to gather together collectively and to worship you together with people that are here. And so grateful, Lord, that you're bringing people back and for precious ones that are watching. We give you glory and honor. We pray for the people today that you would touch lives and change lives and that your Holy Spirit you would speak to our hearts today to recognize what you are doing in these days looking back at the power of the Pentecost now dear Lord help us that even as our worship comes to you as our words come to you it would be a sweet smelling savour unto you touch lives today heal and strengthen and bless and fortify and more than anything else bring salvation and healing and deliverance even as people are standing before you and those that are watching i pray healing in the name of jesus and strength and power and grace thank you father in jesus name god's people said Amen. amen and amen it's good to be in the house of the lord welcome once again welcome everyone we're so glad that many are coming back again. We've seen this at the 8 a.m. service, and we're seeing more and more people come back. It's great joy and a great privilege that we could gather together. And for those uh, that are watching, maybe if, uh, if you're in the neighborhood and certainly part of the church, uh, venture out and be able to come in and join with us. It's a great opportunity. We have such a joy and a privilege to have uh, Mother Ursula Edgel, celebrating her 92nd birthday together with family and friends. You know, memories are a lasting thing. That is, uh, we've had so many joyous occasions, even on these trips that we have gone, in mission trips outside, both Ruth and uh, Mother Ursula, what a joy and a great privilege. Just so that you would, uh, uh, I won't forget to mention this, uh, August, that is the 14th to the 18th, That's from Monday to Friday, we will be going on a five day trip, uh, basically mission trip to to Costa Rica. And so it's limited if you feel led, and I want you to understand there's no no better place than this place in Rio that I cannot tell you how magnificent and awesome it is. And we want you, if you're going to be, seats are going to be sold out. We got a great rate. And so it's uh, one of those moments we just want to say, we're looking forward to, and we are saying goodbye to all that have happened by God's grace, and uh, we're just saying this is a time to go back and to be as life as usual, but again, to be able to go and do the work of the Lord, and this is an opportunity. So, if you can call the church office, and uh, if you want to be part of this, uh, it's going to run out very quick, so keep that in mind. My message this morning is continuing on the five senses, but I want you to understand I want to move on from what we had began last Sunday, and it's to do with the smell. And like the desert fathers or what would be the early church fathers, they talked about the five spiritual senses, and they thought about it. And so this is and and they use this expression. And I wanted to understand, particularly with regard to the fragrance or so the smell, and the, and what a lovely way they talk it about the spiritual fragrance and aroma that comes. So we've been doing about seeing and hearing and touching, and we want to continue with the. Many important aspects of I want you to understand is a very important study is to do with fragrance, is to do with aroma, it's to do with the fragrance of the Holy Spirit. So something this is very important for every one of us to come to that understanding because our prayers, our praise, our alms, our giving, uh, including the things that we give to the Lord, are like alms before the Lord, or our sweet-smelling incense to the Lord. So I want to just begin by talking the first asp- the first words that uh, comes in the book of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 12. And this word is delium. Because you talk about in the beginning how the rivers come out and then in front of these rivers in Euphrates as you go on, the gold that is in the land and there is bedulium and the onyx. But bedulium is the fragrant uh, uh, or uh, the fragrant nut that you get, that out of which basically you get the fragrance. It is one of those important ingredients when to do the fragrance, and this particular place not only had gold, not only had uh, precious stones like onyx, but also this very fragrant uh, piece that actually helps, and much later, so much to do with worship and so much to do with incense. I want you to realize when you look into these passages, you're going to find from Genesis chapter two here and all the way to uh, Revelation chapter 18 something like 200 times the Bible has references with regard to smell, with regard to fragrance, with regard to aroma, or with regard to uh, to uh, the the uh, aspect of uh, beautiful. Uh, smell that comes, and this is so much to do with the temple worship in the Old Testament. Then finding its fulfillment, the reality of it is in the New Testament, not like the way the Old Testament, all of the Old Testament pointed to and spoke of and literally showed forth the full glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Father in his great wisdom has given us something that is very important. That's why we need to do a bit of history. And that's why there's the book of history, 12 books of history, and in the New Testament, one book of history called the book of Acts. Why is it so that we could go back and understand what was all this in reference to and the fulfillment, whether it be the sacrifice or whether it be the temple or whether it be the garments of the priest, the priest himself, and the sacrifice, all point to from the old into the new and find its fullest expression and fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ we're talking about the smell and the fragrance and this is important because when you think in terms of the expression that you find of the fragrance or the aroma or that you find in the many expressions of the of what is pleasing sweet smelling savor which is very often found in the bible you come to this uh, few expressions that are very important. Number one, it is a metaphor the Bible describes about. Number two, it is allegorical the Bible speaks about. Number three, it is prophetical the Bible alludes to in the, f- in the future that is to come, which has been fulfilled. And number four, all of this find in so many ways a poetic expression in not only the Psalms, but songs of Solomon and all through the Bible. So like I mentioned, there's 200 times this is referred to in the Bible. The second expression that you find, and I want you to understand, pay close attention to Genesis chapter 8 and verse 21. And look at the statement. It says, and the Lord smelled a sweet savour, a sweet-smelling sacrifice or a sweet-smelling fragrance. And that is what the Lord smelled. Now I want you to know that when we've dubbed the other studies, we can fully comprehend that God sees and God hears God is touched by our feeling. Uh, Jesus certainly, the Bible tells us, was touched in every way and God is a God who is not untouched, he knows and he's touched by what we have gone through. But then also we talked about in so many ways. Uh, God is touching, God is smelling, God is hearing. But there is what you find in this passage in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 21. God smells. Our God is a God who smells. Now you say, excuse me, that's not in the Bible. You're just hearing about it in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 21. You find its fullest expressions as you come from the book of Exodus 25 all the way to Exodus chapter 30. Uh, five full chapters to do with a particular thing called the incense box, out of which comes the aromatic fragrance that is well-pleasing to the Lord. I want you to realize something very important, that when you go into these passages of studies, we basically only covered two We're on the third one. I began with what would be smell, fragrance, aroma. And secondly, I talked about the aroma that we are to God through Christ Jesus. And I referred that to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2. Now, we're going on the third one. Uh, is, what does it imply? That we are the aroma of God through Christ Jesus, a sweet-smelling savour? Because Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice. He was a sweet-smelling, and he is a sweet-smelling savour to God, and for us, to us, and he becomes to us uh, the one that we should follow, and that is what I would talk about in Genesis chapter, uh, in, in Ephesians chapter 5 onwards. The third thing I would talk about is basically what we are doing today. It is simply why does it imply and what does it mean and how would it signify that we could be the aroma of God or the aroma that God has given to us to be spirit-filled or the smell of Pentecost. What I want you to understand is number four I will be covering would be how a f- dead fly in the ointment can mess up our fragrance to the Lord. Number five, it can decay our anointing and the, and the sweet-smelling savor or the favor or fragrance that we have for the Lord and to others. Number five, six, uh, God does not want dead flies, and I'll explain what he's talking about. And number seven, how to discern like we do with eyes, like we do with touch, like we do with hearing, to discern what is right and what is wrong and by the way in which in the spiritual discerning the smell. Uh, we should not be uh, deluded into thinking this is of god when it isn't numbers uh, 8 i will be talking about a very important subject simply from the book of exodus chapter 30 we cannot manufacture the oil that god has given we cannot manufacture or manipulate the holy spirit like many do it in a commercial way uh, he cannot nor his gift can be cannot be abused and this is very important Many people say, didn't I do this and didn't I do that? And the Lord said, I do not know you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. A lot of things being done in the name of the Lord was not for the kingdom of God, for their own kingdom, for their own personal gain, for their own finance, rather than kingdom principle. And many a times they use the Holy Spirit, they use the name of the Lord Jesus, they use a lot of stuff that is not scriptural. But number nine, simply, what are the aroma, the fragrance or the spice of a spiritual Christian life. And I will be talking about uh, Ephesians chapter five and the qualities and the characteristic of a spiritual life. Suffice to say, let's move into number three. And that simply is, we talked about number two, the aroma that we are called to be to God through the expression of a sweet smelling Sabbath, sacrifice uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ to our father. And we are called to be that before the Father, number one, before one another, number two, and before the community, number three, a sweet-smelling Sabbath. First, let me say, when we're talking about this, the first thing we want to talk about is uh, uh, John chapter 12, verse 3. It is talking about Mary, and this passage says the whole house was filled with the fragrance or the odor or basically the beautiful smell that came from that broken alabaster box. The whole house. And I want you to realize the neurobiologist tells us that uh, fragrance has a great uh, impact on the world around us. No wonder that uh, the millions and billions of dollars are spent to bring out the best because it can change. It can change moods, it can change uh, choices, it can change behavior, it can also change feelings. Uh, literally, it basically attracts us to people. It also takes away uh, uh, opposites of attraction to people. Uh, it also causes us, like n- nothing else, to remember. Just a smell and the fragrance reminds us of something in the past, a very poignant and very important. But all this is important in the context of what we must understand, that fragrance not only has a significant in our physical life, but much more in our spiritual. And I'm doing the application of the Holy Spirit de- regarding the spiritual aspect of being a, f- a, a, a fragrance unto the Lord as Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ was to us and is to the Father. So here we have, in this John chapter 12, three important characters. The first to do with Mary, the second to do with Lazarus, and the third to do with Judas in this passage. You find earlier it was a cooking contest, and that is very important. We have, the Bible says to serve the Lord, uh, we give our body, and that we would be it would be a reasonable service, which is what we do. Uh, whether we are working, whether we are studying, whether we are fathers, mothers, uh, children, or citizens, or school, colleges, or profession. But then also, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 12, also talks about our reasonable worship. So service and worship are together. So there's nothing called secular and nothing called um, spiritual separate. They are together, and we, in our service and in our worship, we are actually giving ourselves to worshiping God. But service is very important. That has a fragrance, whether you go to college or whether you are doing your work. It basically, it's like a sweet-smelling sab, or doesn't. People want to know what you do, and the moment you tell them that you are working hard to get your degrees or doing this or doing that, basically, there's a significant furnace of uh, fragrance to that. And then you're the sum and substance of things you have done to serve, and and you have done well in basically uh, in your grade or in your promotion or in your job. All that being said, Martha, you find, served a great, wonderful meal. And we need Marthas. Life would be unfair without Marthas. Uh, There would not be a world without people who are in their field doing their work, doing their duty, doing what would be their gift and what would be their talents. These are all in our life and we basically must do. But she had a complaint. She wanted Mary to be there. Of course, rightly so. She needed help. The whole house was basically a blast with uh, the wonderful smell of, of food. And the Lord Jesus Christ was a very important guest in the house there in Bethany. It was like his own home. And of course, he enjoyed the cooking of Martha and Mary, but at this point, the Lord had to say, Mary had chosen a greater, in terms of position higher, in a higher dimension. It's important that we serve, we be citizens, we be fathers, mothers, teachers, whatever we are in society, But nothing should take the place of worship that is of a higher degree, or sitting at the feet of the Lord, and to be able to come one day and that week, which is the Lord, and to come together, not in our home, but in the house of God, worshiping the Lord collectively. They are very important, that witness is to something very important. And I want you to understand, as much as Martha is needed, the Lord Jesus Christ was specific when he came, when he told, but Mary has chosen a greater. Now, when you look at this in chapter 12, Mary is literally uh, doing something of the highest that you could ever think in terms of worship. And so you find this is a woman that loved the Lord, but her love was so profuse, uh, it involved a mind, a body, but higher in the all of the three realms is the spirit. And so we're talking about spiritual fragrance that was literally a real alabaster box that cost her not a month saving or a year saving, literally a life saving. And what she does is that she breaks the alabaster box in the in the... And uh, 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 right before the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, and wipes his feet with her hair, I want you to I want you to know, understand this is the highest level, profuse, profuse, profusely in adoration and love for the Lord, our Savior. Now I want just to mention that the fragrance changes like the uh, uh, people in the highest level about fragrance tell us, changes the mood, changes the uh, the entire feelings uh, of whatever takes place. And so you find even uh, you're in a subway and someone comes as a particular perfume either can throw you or you turn around because you haven't seen the person, but you turn around because you know that particular perfume is very attractive. And it basically gives uh, you a notice someone has just come in, just like someone who is pleasant and you want to look at it, or someone who speaks or sings that you want to hear, and this is the attraction of what would be the fragrance. Now, I'm translating from the physical into the spiritual. So he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Something about Mary is so attractive that she is not in her home. She, She may not have been invited. This is a men's only club. In fact, it was a Pharisee, most likely, that invited Jesus Christ into, into his house, not for in any sense to worship him or to adore him, but simply to ask questions. These are called trick questions. These Pharisees often played with the Lord. They had wanted to pull the carpet from under him, but he always had the last laugh. He always had the right answer. He knew even before they spoke what he, what they were thinking, that is, the omniscience of our Savior. But here you find she interrupts this in a way that it is unusual in the Middle East at that time for a woman to come in and literally the whole meeting and whatever the questions were simply went to the back seat and right there was the aroma, the fragrance of such a sweet-smelling order that they were stopped. They were traumatized in a rather nice way to say, wow, what is this? But there were many different aspects of their feeling and many variations of what they felt about it and what the Lord Jesus Christ felt. First thing I want you to understand, when you turn again to John chapter 12, verse 3, the whole house, in other words, there was nobody who was there, was not affected by this smell. Everybody smelled it. This was something, each one had their opinion. But the Lord's words become the final. And I want you to understand, what you find is such total devotion, such profuse love that you could ever see in a person bending down, wiping her hair, spending all that money on what would be an alabaster box of the costliest ointment and at the feet of the Lord Jesus, just poured out. If you could just visualize this for a moment, either it's a waste or it is the total sum and substance of worship. Waste or worship, it is what is so important. It is how you think or your mind thinks or to the level high or low Of your attitude or your thinking in terms of physical or the highest realm of the spiritual. So people will look at the situation and say I don't like this. Some people will look at the calculation and say that's a lot of money wasted. But the Lord has the final answer and this is the heart of a woman who loves the Lord. First thing I want you to know is here's a woman who simply was telling her love was profuse it was anything but lukewarm it was hot pepper chili hot for the lord when i talk about what it means i wanted to know that she was not from the church of laodicea all big show but no love when you turn to Ephes- uh, revelation chapter 3 and verse 16 listen carefully to this church uh, then because thou art not lukewarm uh, because thou art lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. They were basically like so many that simply says, oh, it's okay. I just, you know, I just come here, just say a few words. I paid my spiritual dues. I just came to worship the Lord. Really? You know, many a times in the Christian circle, like in the Old Testament, they always gave a broken lamb. It was not acceptable. They always felt something that didn't pass the test. Give it to the temple. You know, this particular son of or daughter simply just looks like he doesn't have it all together or let him be a pastor. That's why we have a lot of ducks who are sit, uh, speaking nonsense from the pulpit or someone who says, you know what? I don't think I need this. Okay, donate it to the church. So this is something that is... Uh, attitude by many feel that God is pleased by it. No, this is not the way, lukewarm type. This is what Mary is doing. She is hot, hot in a love, in a devotion that she is giving him the very best. So it is something not lukewarm. It is definitely not cold. It was love for the Lord, worship for the Lord, devotion for the Lord and turn it to the highest zilt of degree up It is fire-hot love and passion for the Lord. That you need to understand about Mary. That you need to understand. She was unashamed. She could interrupt. She did not hide her love. She walked right in. Didn't mind what the customs of the land and the tradition of the land was. She was proclaiming her love for the Lord without any apology. Now, I want you to know, number two, there's another man, Lazarus. I want you to just think about Lazarus. He is smelling the same thing. But now he turns back and realizes, I was once dead. The same Mary put something like this. When I was dead, there was spice that I was embalmed, which was the Middle Eastern custom in those days, and she had embalmed me. It was the smell of death. But then the... The Lord basically spoke to me and Lazarus come out. And before the fourth day, on the third day, I was able to come out. And in other words, I was able to come out. And the, the spice was still there and smelling. The spice of death was now the spice of life. So now he's saying, look what my sister is doing. She's anointing the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ with a fragrance uh, I speaks of death and yet speaks of life. This is what I call the fragrance of death and the fragrance of life. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse 14 is very important when you think in terms of 14, 15 and 16, but thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and make manifest the fragrance of his knowledge by us in every place. Now, verse 15 goes on to say, for we are unto God a sweet smelling fragrance unto the Lord, and that are uh, uh, of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. Now, look at the two uh, aspect of the fragrance of death and life. When you turn to verse 16, for the one we are the f- fragrance of death, unto the other it is the fragrance of savor unto life. Life fragrance of death and fragrance of life and who is sufficient? There are those that have the fragrance of death who have made no uh, ma- made a choice and either by choice or default who have rejected the Lord and rejected God's love, the gateway, the bridge, and others who have accepted him and think highly and recognizes that he is God's uh, salvation, the Savior that we can approach God the Helium that becomes to us our Father in heaven in a vital relationship with the Father. But what you, what you find in this man, Lazarus sitting there and thinking, oh my God, that is what I went through and this is what will happen to the Lord Jesus Christ. He too will die, but on the third day he will rise up and literally be the salvation and the one who would secure my salvation. I was literally risen up, but I will be raised up in that great and marvelous day when the Lord comes as King and Lord. What is so important is there's the smell of fragrance. Uh, Dr. Bill um, Saunders uh, Soder uh, is one of the great authority and historians to do with the Titanic, uh, the ship that sank. Uh, in fact, he had gone down with the folks that did the exploration, and that basically lifted up a lot of things from uh, the ship Titanic that had fallen a couple of, hundred, a couple of years, uh, many years ago, over a hundred plus years ago. Uh, he was one of those examined the many aspect of what was there, and. Uh, and the smell is what he writes about. and what he find is uh, there were many articles that was rusted that had this decaying, a putrefied smell, a fragrance a or, or, or odor that spoke of death. But in the midst of their searching, they found a briefcase uh, that basically contained a couple of bottles and while it and once it was taken up, they were able to open it, he was there to be able to smell. It was the fragrance, and when they opened up, this is, mind you, after 100 100 plus years ago, and suddenly he talked about what would have been the earthly, what would be smell in this room, was simply transformed, what he describes as the fragrance of heaven. Think about it. For over 100 years, while everything else was the fragrance of death, this scent bottle, this perfume bottle. This what would be an amazing bottle that had oil, oil ointment of fragrance, smelled as he described it, the smell of heaven. So Lazarus understands the fragrance of death, literally, as he understood the fragrance of life, of life literally. Now he looks at the Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's a third figure here, and this is Judas. His thinking is revealed out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So what does this man say? Think about it. In John chapter 12, verse 5, he's a calculating rascal, a thief, if you will. But look at the expression that he uses. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Later on, it says, not that he was concerned about the poor. I've often noticed people who scream out saying, we need to do this, we need to do that, Are people, largely, whether in the political or religious circle, they want to, at your expense, at your tax dollars, give everything to Ukraine while people are starving here. It's not their money, they don't. They don't give off their own. They get into offices, whatever it be, and suddenly they become millionaires. And then they want to get elected, they concern for the poor. They don't give one cent of theirs, but they make sure they give your hard-earned tax dollars. And now it's become a big fashion. Uh, people had called up and said, the best way to raise money is do what would be social concern. uh, Houses for the poor and houses. I said, How come it's a profit? He says, Millions of dollars come into the coffers, government will give, central, federal, state, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of funding. So, ha! So, all this is not from their pocket. There's always an avenue that you can get money. Never from your own, always from somebody else. Something can be built. Not a bad idea. But here is Judas. His thoughts are revealed. Now he's made a calculation. He's calculating 300 denarii's worth. We could do a lot, or I could do a lot. So he's speaking out, but I want you to understand, thoughts and words are weighed. But the Lord Jesus Christ says something that shuts everyone up. He said what she has done, she has done it as a memorial from now until that day. Excuse me, memorial? What do you mean memorial? What she has done in this house of a Pharisee is a memorial. The Lord said it's a memorial. What she has done will never be forgotten. It's always what would be a flag that says, listen, it is for lifetime. That is hard to believe. Many people thought she was foolish. Many people wondered why Jesus allows this. And yet, Jesus says it was a memorial. Just in case you think, we're quoting this to get something to give. No, no, no. This is what people quote so they could get some money. And always out of a widow's might. No, that's not what I'm talking about. It is giving to the Lord. It is given about the person of the Lord, Jesus. And I want you to realize this very important part is... There's a thing called memorial, that whatever we give in terms of praise, in terms of alms, in terms of tithes, in terms whatever we give in terms of prayer, they are memorial. Uh, Take with me, if you will, Acts chapter 10 and verse 4. It is talking about Cornelius, and he was not even uh, from a Jewish, from any one of the tribes. He was one who was a a God-fearing man, and uh, must have gone to the outer court, but could not gain entrance. But an angel came to him, and here the Bible says in verse 4, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is this, Lord? And the angel said unto him, your prayers and your arm has come as a memorial before the Lord. Your praise and your arms, these things are a memorial to the Lord, and the Lord smelled it. Isn't that amazing that he Calls it the memorial. Do you know in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 8 talks about this aspect of incense that comes to the Lord. So when you turn there, it says, when he, when he had taken the book and the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the, Lord, before the lamb, having every one of them instrument of worship and then golden veils full of fragrance, which are the prayers of the saints. Again, in Revelation chapter 8 and verse 4, you read this again in a marvelous way. It says, And the smoke of the incense which came with prayers of the saints ascended uh, before God out of the angel's hands. So, uh, prayers, incense are going up, and it doesn't matter how loud you shout or just how you sigh, deepest in your heart, longing to the Lord, it is a memorial to the Lord. Psalm 141 and verse 2. Look at the prayer of David. He had such a marvelous insight, isn't it? Let my prayer be set forth before you as an incense, and the and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Speak so high, speak so well. This I want you to understand is what is a memorial to the Lord, what is being offered to the Lord, what is being as a sweet smelling, our praises, our worship, and our giving to the Lord. It is not forgotten. It would be rewarded Ah, much more when you go to heaven. Your rewards, Go before you. Do you know that? Your rewards are gone before you. Before you go to heaven, there's a memorial for you. It is very powerful. Don't think your prayers and your praises and what you would for the Lord is forgotten. No, it is very much a memorial to the Lord. Even your tears are gathered in a bottle. That is so amazing. What I'd like us to understand is uh, this fragrance that, you, that we just, talked about in John chapter 12 has a whole lot of history around it and about it. It goes all the way back in the Old Testament and it finds its richest fulfillment in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the person of the Holy Spirit. God's so pleased to give us that opportunity that we can understand without going into the Old Testament and copying all of it. They were just there. And they were pointing out, and they showed forth, and was fulfilled in the Lord. And what we do today in the New Testament church, there's no blood. That was shed once and for all. There's no literally veils and nor do we have to put incense box. That was for a reason. But when you translate it, everything that we do in worship and praise and giving and all that we do in reaching out and touching lives and and bringing lives and, and strengthening lives and bringing to the gospel and the good news of the gospel, they're all fragrance that are memorial to the Lord. And you're rewarded for your service and rewarded for reasonable service, the Bible says, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and also which is your reasonable worship, the highest level between the two is the worship. Now, I want you to understand there's something very important. When you turn to the book of Exodus chapter 30 and verse 35, there's a concaution A perfumer has a marvelous way of doing this, but God is the perfumer. It says here, and thou shalt make it a holy perfume, a a confection after the art of the apothecary or the perfumer tempered together pure and holy. So you shall make this a perfume. You shall make this a fragrance. You find this in the Bible. Exodus chapter 25 all the way to 30 is talking about the fragrance. Now I want you to understand how important is this when you turn to the first verse, chapter 30 and 1. This is what you have to do. You have to make a box called the incense box. And this is placed before you enter into the holiest of holies. You shall make an altar of burnt incense upon afshetam wood. You shall make it. And when you come down to verse 6, listen to what it says here. It says, and thou shalt put it before the veil, that is, before you enter the holiest of holies, Only one time, one day, and only one man, the high priest could enter into the holiest of holiest. Unless he sees God, he would die. So there must be something of a mysterious, like a smoke, like an incense, that would veil him. It's a translucent, it's an opaque, but not clear, crystal clear to see the presence of God. And so it was before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, for the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with you. When you turn to the next verse in verse 7, it goes on to say, And Aaron shall burn there in sweet incense or holy fragrance every morning. And when he dresseth the lamb, he shall burn incense upon it. The same thing in the evening, the next verse in verse 8 goes on to say, and it says, and when Aaron lighted the lamp at evening, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual, perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generation, the generations of the Old Testament saints. When you turn to verse 9, he goes on to say, we shall offer, he, he shall offer no strange incense therein, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall you pour a drink offering therein. So this is very clear. What you find is in verse 37, all the way for the entire chapter, you're going to find, as for the perfume which you shall make, you shall not make it to yourselves, according to the compass thereof; it shall be unto you a holy for the Lord. Let's true, verse 31 and verse 32, going a little further. It says, and thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, this shall be holy anointing, this fragrance is an oil. It's an anointing oil unto me throughout your generation. Now, if you study things to do with oil, things to do with perfume, things to do with, there are perfume and perfume and perfume. But then there is the oil of anointing. And oil of anointing in the spiritual level brings a whole lot of power and healing and so forth. But in the natural, there's a whole Lot of apotherapy, or what would be the performing or the perfumer's delight that is anointing oil, or oil that brings uh, healing to the bones and healing to the body, uh, sleep to the when you do it on the head, all of that is different. But we're not talking about the physical. And are we? We're talking about the spiritual. Now, let me just tell you how important. In verse 32, don't make a carbon copy of it. Upon men's flesh shall not be poured, neither shall you make any other like it. After the compasses are of this, it, it is holy and shall be holy unto you. Uh, I will be talking in uh, number, uh, uh, number f- uh, eight, don't manipulate the Holy Spirit. Many a times you see in these big theatric, theatrics this is the Holy Spirit. The man, the preacher, takes the coat out and then becomes the object of admiration, money is thrown, adulation, and a whole lot of things. And he's like performing like he were watching a circus. And he calls it healing campaign. He calls it the Holy Spirit. It is literally, he is the center forward, his kingdom. It is, one thing is absent, the Holy Spirit, and another thing is the power and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. is building man's kingdom, but not. So they have planes, they have the best of the cars. You see, my friend, we haven't even understood the smell of fragrance. And I'll be talking about discerning. What I want you to understand, this is so important. Let's go to it. We read this. This is the oil. Now, what does the oil speak to you about? This is worship. In its highest worship in the temple, you got to have the oil of the incense. Now listen to me carefully. Don't you go in and run and get some incense um, stick and light it. You don't do that. It is nothing to do with. So pastor said the pastor is not telling you this. Pastor is telling you pray and praise God. You get it? So somebody will hear what they want to hear. Pastor is saying get some. You see, he comes from India, so he wants to sell this. Um, you know, incense stick. I don't sell nothing. I'm only asking you to praise God. I'm only asking you to pray to God. That is the fulfillment of the old. You get it? Oh, give the Lord a clap offering. Now, I do want to stress this. It's so important that when you're talking about the oil in the Old Testament and the oil right there in the holiest of holiest, oil represents the Holy Spirit. You and I have gone through that study about the oil that speaks about the Holy Spirit. The anointing oil speaking about the Holy Spirit. But I want you to realize something. Without the oil, there is no worship in the old Testament. Do you get me? Now, in the church, without the Holy Spirit, there is no worship. Now, don't get me wrong. I like people dressing well and doing well. But somebody comes to the church wearing goggles, wearing flashy colored, uh, like he's coming from a band performing with a cap and the whole thing. You've seen that in Woodstock. You've seen that in uh, every other crazy stuff. And they're bringing it to the church and they're charging a price and they call it worship. The man comes in a first class private jet. It's worship. My friend, it is worshiping man in the name of the Holy Spirit. There's no God, there's no Holy Spirit, and then somebody comes with a little wheelchair. It's all a paid gimmick. The Holy Spirit does not need advertisers. He is the best advertiser. (laughs) But when you look at the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about the gimmick that takes place But all this theatrics that is called worship, no, my friend, worship is from your heart. And I want to know how important it is. Worship is important. So across the world, whether you look at the old ways in the Judaic system or in the Islamic system, and again, in the very many uh, religions of the world, don't get me wrong, they're worshiping in some way or the other the Elohim, and the Jews, in a way, Yahweh, which is important, but when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, the great Almighty, the great unchanging God, with the great who is the great Adonai, who is the El Shaddai, he becomes more than Yahweh to us, he becomes our Father, and we come to him, and we go to his presence. But there's something that we need to know about worship, and I'm not talking about just worshipers. I want to stress the word called true worshippers. Can you say the word true worshippers? There are worshippers, and there are worshippers, and there are worshippers, but then there's a word called true worshippers. I'm not hitting out at anybody. Everybody in some way or the other are worshipping. Elohim or a form of Elohim, but ultimate true worship that the Father delights. Not God, just God Almighty. Not God who is unchanging. All that quality and all that characteristics still there, but he becomes a personal. He is above Father. So let me take you to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 4, verse 23. Listen carefully to this word. The hour cometh and now is. That is not the old hour, that is gone. The calendar 2022 is gone, 2021 is gone, 2019 is gone. So he is saying the hour comes now. The Old Testament is over and complete. And now is, listen to the word, true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit. And in truth, for the Father, for the Father, for the Father, seek it such to worship the Father, not just Yahweh, or not yet Elohim, or not even Adonai, or Hashim. but it is the Father. Seek, 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 seeks for true worshipers who will worship Him. How? Verse twenty-four. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's one thing to worship religion-wise. Nothing harm. Everybody is a worshiper. Or ritualistic. That's important as well in the old way. But God is looking for true worshipers that worship in the spirit and by the word, the truth. You can't deviate from it. You can't go to the Old Testament and say, let's bring in, pull in all the things that is over and complete with. So I want to realize how important that is. So here you find a dynamic worship. And this is the Holy Spirit is centered in helping us to become true worshipers and the Spirit anoints the word to make that possible. Now, when you look at this, this is so important I want you to understand there is something that we must be prepared for when we go to worship, and this is something we will be meeting the king and we have an appointment with the king. And so don't take that lightly. Don't take it uh, for granted. Don't take it uh, without much feelings. You must be able—sometimes they say familiarity breeds contempt. Never come to that place of contempt. Always be prepared because— If you are going to be prepared to meet the president, it doesn't matter if you meet him everywhere, don't lose sight of the fact who he is. Sometimes we become so casual. So let me just tell you, when it came to the Old Testament preparation to meet a king, to be prepared to to meet a king, an earthly king, yes, a godly woman making preparation. So if you turn with me to Esther, Esther chapter 2 and verse 12, listen, listen. It says here, And when every maid's turn was come to go to the king, Ahusharas, after she had been twelve months according to the manner. This is the twelve months of training. It's not light, it is intense. For so were the days of their purification accomplished to wit, six months with oil, myrrh, and six months with sweet odors. All of them have a fragrance oil. With sweet a fragrance and with other things for the purifying of the women. So just so that their heart, their thoughts, their mind in the spiritual to meet the king. Who was the king? Ahusaras was the king. Now here is Esther who basically uh, is uh, from uh, Hebrew stock into this Babylonian and now chosen to come and to be able to meet the king. The choice is very important, the king makes. What is it the king is attracted to? Earthly king. I mean, of course, like every earthly king, he would love to see a beautiful face, but he's looking for more than beauty. He's looking for someone that is fragrant, just enters in, look, see, hear, <laughs> smell. So I want you to know three things very important with regard to Esther. Here is Esther, just a simple woman, an alien. She was not from the commonwealth of Persian kingdom. She was grafted in. But she gets entry into the palace. Not only entry into the palace ultimately becomes a coal, the wife of the companion of, the best friend of, she could save. She could do things that nobody else could do, even save the Hebrew nation from being annihilated by an enemy. How is it that she was grafted in exactly the way you and I have been grafted into the commonwealth of God's Israel? Now, I want you to understand number one, she prepared to meet the king, number one. I will refer to this passage in a moment, but if you turn with me to Psalm 45, verse 6, we can read 5, 6, 7, and 8, but right now 6, because the entire thing is God speaking to David about one who is sending. Thy throne, he says, O God, is forever. God speaking to God. Thy scepter of thy kingdom is the right scepter. When you turn to verse seven, it says, you love righteousness, you hated wickedness before God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness, the Holy Spirit. When you turn to verse eight, it goes on to say, all your garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia, out of the ivory palaces, out of heaven, you came down into this sin world. You never lost your heavenly fragrance. Now, let me just take you to verse 6 again. Your throne is forever. That's the promise that even the angel Gabriel gave to Mary. His throne will be forever and forever. Your scepter is the right scepter, not an earthly scepter. Ultimately, everyone will bow to this Messiah, Yeshua, a Mashiach, the true Messiah, who became the servant who became a sacrifice and ultimately becomes the king who ushers in peace and will sit in Jerusalem as the rightful king. Now, I want you to realize something very important. He not only, is not only preparing to meet the king, but she's also using the perfume... And this speaks about intimacy. I'm not going there to Songs of Solomon. I'll two, two or three scriptures, but this is not the physical. It is literally what was in the Old Testament, Solomon and uh, the woman, uh, basically. But the Shunammite woman. But literally, why is it there in the Bible? Taking you from the from what would be the concrete into the abstract, far beyond. So even Ephesians chapter five. When referring to God's love or the love of Jesus Christ to the church comes to this concrete to bring us to the abstract, what would be a husband and wife, and yet he says it's not a perfect picture, but you get what I'm saying, Paul is saying, so to speak. It's the ultimate expressions of the perfect one that is the bridegroom and the bride, and the bride has made herself ready in chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. Number two, it is number one, not only to meet, And prepare to meet the king. Number two, it is for intimacy. And this is simply to love him, to love him with all your heart, with the highest, not in the physical sense, but if you ever understood that physical, there's nothing compared to the spiritualist. That is the highest level of, you can call, joy and ecstasy and gladness. Now, the third, and when I talk about intimacy, the Perfume is very important because it's not sweat. There's something we serve, we're rewarded for, but when you meet with the king, it's not a sweat. Uh, when you give and perform for the Lord, you don't need to sweat. You don't need to scream up and down and use a big kerchief to sweat. You must be just be there, having the fragrance, not having to sweat at all. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this, what you find in the Middle Eastern, you did not have like tanks and waters like crazy. You had lakes, you had rivers here and there, but by large, it was a desert. So then how did they clean themselves? If you live near Galilee, sure, you can take a plunge, you can go fishing, you can go uh, basically whatever you want to do, but the majority of people lived outside of the river. So very seldom they had much water. They had water to basically drink and cook. And if there is enough, they would even have to bathe. But that is important when they have it. Otherwise, the common way, and that is where fragrance become very important. You go to a party, you smell like a pig. So if you have a bath, fine. Otherwise, you do have the fragrance. And this fragrance maker, the perfumers were a big Deal, big deal even today in the Middle East. Some of the finest perfumes come from there even today. So when you think about it, it talks about no sweat, it's intimacy. And thirdly, it's something that we need to realize that it is a sense of protocol. A protocol meaning you made the preparation, you come for the intimacy, but you also realize The king is the king. We have lost that respect because we brought it down to level that, you know, it's equal at the cross but not equal in a sense in a family. The children don't command the parents. The husband is still the man who makes the thing with the help of the wife. There must be mutual submission. But of course, in America, the wife runs the family most of the time. They don't know where it comes from the Bible. It's not there in the Bible. But I want you to understand, when you look at the Old Testament, New Testament, there's a pattern. So here is this woman. She's the queen, ultimately. But again, there's a sense of protocol. Meaning, she never lost respect for the king. You can see that in the book of Esther. Protocol in the sense, we're very close to the Lord, intimate with the Lord. But never, ever lose your respect and awe for the Lord Jesus. I read writings of people. I read writings of people who say they have gone to heaven. And they describe the gold floor and the diamond. Is that what? And yet they say, yes, Jesus told me. Jesus told me, excuse me. It's the Lord who told you. You go to heaven and you just talk of him as Jesus? What I want you to understand is, John loved Jesus. It was his in the flesh cousin brother. First chapter of the book of Revelation, he took a look at Jesus and he was just on the floor. He was shocked. He couldn't believe. Jesus in all his glory, and never forget, that's his title, the Lord Jesus Christ. I do want to give respect to the prophet of Islam. They do refer him as prophet, even in America. Even people who may not like Islam are so afraid they use the word prophet Muhammad. Rightly so. But when it comes to Jesus in the New Testament and in this modern world, Jesus here, Jesus there, Jesus, excuse me, stop it. That is for you, the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. And yet, you talk of Biden and Trump, President Trump, President Biden, President Obama, rightly so. And so, excuse me, madam, say the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Right. Now, I want you to understand something very important. Why do we have to refer to this particular passage. And what do we gain out of it? Listen carefully to what Paul is writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse two and verse three. Listen to what it says, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have exposed you to one husband, that is the Lord Jesus, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Verse two, verse three, but I fear lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, deception. So your mind should not be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Go to Romans chapter 12, verse one. I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, which is your reasonable service. Now, how do you do that? The Satan came in subtlety of the mind. Verse 2, be renewed, be not confirmed to this word, but be renewed by the renewing of the mind. How? By reading the word and to understand, know what is the acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, in every house, there is always an Esther. In every house, House, there would always be someone who's willing to make the preparation, willing to sacrifice, willing to look up and say, I love the king. I will honor my king. I will honor this woman in the natural and will stand up for her people and come to the king and say, These are my people, my lord. Interceding because of the close proximity and intimacy with the king, she could gain it in the natural. How much more in the spiritual? But listen to what Paul again says in 2 Corinthians, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 to 22. 2 Timothy chapter 2, but in a great house, there's a great house here. There are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood. And earth, and some to honor, and some to dishonor. Some just don't have that attitude in many houses of God. But look what it says in verse 21. It says, if a man therefore purge himself, prepare himself, take away things that are dross and becomes refined like gold, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, meet for the master's use. It takes discipline, it takes training, and be prepared unto every good work. Verse 22. Flee also youthful lust and follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord with a pure heart. And there is a preparation that is being done. This is powerful. This is tremendous. And so here is this woman making herself to be, that would be a virtuous woman, a virtuous woman, a virtuous church who can find, a virtuous Christian who can find. Like it says in Proverbs chapter 31. Now, let me just say this. When you think about this expression of this king, uh, you find, let's go back to Psalm 45 verse 6. This is the king, and I'm taking you from the earthly to the spiritual, from the earthly husband to the spiritual husband, from the earthly king to the heavenly eternal king. Your throne, O Lord, is forever and ever. Your scepter, your kingdom is the right scepter. Now listen to what it says in verse seven. It says in towards the end, the Lord has anointed you with the oil of gladness. And that's exactly what happened when our Lord Jesus Christ took the water baptism in John and as well as Luke chapter three. When you turn to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9, it's alluded in the New Testament, quoting this very passage You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even your God, has anointed you with oil of gladness about your fellows. Coming back to Psalm 45 and go to verse 8, listen, talking about the Lord, the King, the husband. All thy garments smell of myrrh, and aloes, and cassia, out of the ivory palaces you came down from celestial glory into the sin world. When you think about what would be myrrh, remember that was the present that the wise men gave, myrrh speaks of pain, suffering, and death. Great are the messages of Jesus, great are the actions of Jesus, but to this end he came, that he would die for every one of us. That is vital. That is important. Number two, aloes speaks of healing and restoration. That's what he has come to do spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Number three, cassia speaks about the simple thing that is in the desert. Speaks about humility. And he is come to bring joy into the hearts that have been broken. If you would turn with me to that passage in the Songs of Solomon. Songs of Solomon, chapter 3 and verse 6, speaks about the king. Listen to what he says. Who is he that cometh out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh, frankincense, and all the powders of the merchant? Who is he? It is the Lord, and what I want you to understand is when you turn. Let's turn to Matthew. It talks about that that uh, myrrh. Uh, Acts chapter uh, Matthew chapter two verse eleven. The wise men towards the end gave him towards the end treasures. They presented unto him gold, f- frankincense, and myrrh. All of them related to the ministry of the Lord, but myrrh has a lot to do. Again, turn with me back to Song of Solomon, chapter one and verse three. Look what it says. It says, because the fragrance of your good ointment, your name is as an ointment poured forth. Again, look at what it says in chapter one, verse 12 and verse 13. Uh, Forgive the pictures way, but it's spiritual. While the king seated at his table, my fragrance sends forth smell thereof to him. I have prepared my heart. And in a spiritual way, of course, King Solomon is writing in the natural, but I'm taking a spiritual verse 13. The next verse, a bundle of myrrh is my well-beloved unto me. He shall lie between my heart. That is so important. So now I want you to realize how important this. Have you smelled the Lord in a spiritual level? Do you know the fragrance of the Holy Spirit? There's a sense in which there's a marvelous fragrance about the Holy Spirit. Turn with me, if you will, Acts chapter 2 and verse 19. The day of Pentecost, Peter is standing up and saying, from Joel, I will show wonders in heaven above and signs of the earth beneath, blood, fire, and vapor. That is the incense of smoke it is rising to God. That is exactly what Joel said in Joel chapter 2 and verse 30 because that is what Peter is alluding. And I will show you wonders in heavens and in the earth blood, fire, and hear pillars of smoke. It goes, that's the sign of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Songs of Solomon, get intimate with what Songs of Solomon is saying in chapter 3 and verse 6 again. Listen carefully. Who is that cometh out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh, frankincense, and all the powders? There's a sweet smelling savour, a fragrance that is so powerful. I have a few minutes. I'll just close with this mighty word from chapter. Chapter, uh, you know, I don't think I could go further. But let me just take it to Esther chapter two and verse nine, so we could come to a conclusion here. Esther chapter two, verse nine. And the maiden pleased him and she obtained kindness and he gave her things and finally says, out of the king's house and gave us seven uh, basically maids. If you look down, uh, it's basically, uh, I think it's worth seven maidens. And seven maidens were given to meet, to give to her. So there were seven maidens that were given in a powerful way to help her, to prepare her, to meet the king, seven maidens. To help Esther. Now, we are not talked in the New Testament about maidens. But when you turn to Revelation chapter 5, we're talking about the seven spirits the, in, that comes out of the Lamb of God. So, chapter 5 and verse 6 of the book of Revelation, quickly. Listen to what it says here. And I beheld, and in the midst of the throne of the seven, of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it were being slain, that is the Lord Jesus, having seven horns. Seven eyes, which are the seven spirit God sent unto the earth. And why? So we would be blessed and we would be covered by the Holy Spirit. What are the seven spirit that comes out of the Lord? Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4. Number one, it says the spirit of wisdom. Number two, the spirit of understanding. Number three, the spirit of counsel. Number four, the spirit of might. Number five, the spirit of knowledge. Number six, the spirit of fear. Number seven in verse uh, verse three, and uh, verse four, I'm sorry, and the spirit of righteousness. This is very powerful when you think about it. What I want you to understand is this is the Holy Spirit that comes in this picture of the, the one that Abraham sent, the father sent, the helper, the comforter, That is the one called the paraclete, the father in the Old Testament, is the picture of Abraham sending the paraclete, the helper, to go find a bride for my son Isaac. Now, if you would turn to this beautiful picture in the natural, and I want you to move into the New Testament, into the spiritual. Genesis chapter 24 and verse 63, 65 is where I'm going. But look to what it says. It's almost like the second coming of Jesus, which we are very close to. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the even time. And he lifted up his eyes, and he saw, behold, the camels are coming. That is what he's waiting for. And then in verse 64, it goes on to say, And Rebecca lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. This is the end of her journey. And verse uh, 64, go ahead, I'm sorry, go verse 65, 64, uh, she's asking, who is this? And she said unto the servant, what man is that that walketh in the field to meet us? And the helper said, it is my master. Therefore, she took a veil and covered herself. The Holy Spirit is helping us in this journey from the day we were born again, pressing us, presenting us as chaste virgin, and he will say, behold, the Lamb of God, that is come as the bridegroom. Verse 65, and, verses, and she said, It is my master. She took a veil and covered herself. That is a beautiful picture of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, verse 2 and 3. Uh, listen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. That is the manifesto of the Lord Jesus. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. This is exactly what the Lord said. The Spirit of the Lord has upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me, so forth and so forth. Now I want you to listen to what the Lord is doing in our midst. It's so important we understand the Spirit of God that is coming to us Ephesians. Chapter four, chapter 5, verse 18. This is what Paul is saying. Be not drunk with wine, but you need to be drunk with something. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves. In Psalms and hymns, a spiritual song. Psalms, hymns, the Holy Spirit is helping us. Let that incense, not the Old Testament, the fulfillment of that. Awesome! Shall you st- can we stand as the choir comes? Repeat after me: Hallelujah, Lord! Hallelujah, Lord! May your name be praised. May your name be praised. Go ahead, say Hallelujah, Lord! Hallelujah, Lord! Hallelujah, Lord! We lift you up. May my praises come to you as incense. You be lifted up, O Lord. You be lifted up, O Lord. Go ahead, give the Lord a clap offering. And thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the word of the Lord. To learn more, please visit our website, highlandny.org, or our Facebook page, Highland Church, New York. Until next time, may God richly bless you.